the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another episode of the Michelle Tafoya podcast brought to you by Genucel. We thank them for their sponsorship. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode. You won't want to miss today's. Her name has been all over the news and she joins us. She's a friend of mine. We have something in common. We both worked in sports. Sage Steele, former anchor on ESPN, joins us next. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya podcast. Well, if you haven't heard of Sage Steele, it won't be long before you do. She is a former anchor from ESPN, worked on all the major sports, golf, NBA, NFL. She covered a little bit of everything and then found herself in a bit of controversial hot water. We're going to go through her story. She recently reached a settlement with ESPN, but she's allowed to say whatever she wants. That was part of her settlement. So we're going to talk. We're going to explain exactly what happened at ESPN that got her into these hot waters, if you will. And some of it may really, really surprise you. I'm excited to speak with my good friend, Sage Steele, next. But first, um, do you still have that dark spot on your face that's been bothering you or the ones on your hands, your chest, your neck? Genucel is here to help. You can watch those spots disappear safely, quickly in three minutes. Introducing the Genucel Dark Spot Corrector, three-step, three-minute dark spot luxury system. And it does exactly what it sounds like. By using their Crystal's world-famous microdermabrasion before the dark spot corrector and finishing with a touch of the collagen-building Genucel XV, you'll see the dark spots disappear before your eyes instantly, smoothly, luxuriously. What you're watching on the screen are real results in just a couple of minutes. I mean, it's incredible, but don't take my word for it. If you're not blown away with the results, you'll get 100% of your money back, no questions asked, free shipping, free returns. So go to genucel.com slash Michelle now, order the new dark spot treatment system today and say goodbye to those annoying spots tomorrow. genucel.com slash Michelle, but there's more. All three products are included in Genucel's most popular package for August. So you get your Genucel bags and puffiness serum also included all for 70% off. Experience the luxury and effectiveness of Genucel. Order now. Watch the dark spots go away in three minutes. 70% off while supplies last. Genucel.com slash Michelle with one L. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle, genucel.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. Up next, Sage Steele. Sage Steele joins us, I mean, really just days after settling with ESPN and leaving the network she had been known for and they had been known for her and here she is. It's great to see you, my friend. I'm so happy to see you, Michelle. Uh, likewise. When, when did you start working at ESPN? 2007. And I was thinking about this the other day because my kids were 11 months old, two and four. 
And now they're 17, 19, and 21. So this is all they've ever known is me right. at ESPN living in Connecticut. And so there's there's a lot of changes going on right now. A lot of interesting conversations in the house. <laughs> I bet. I can't believe you started with three kids that small. I, I can't you know, either. That is, yeah. Why don't we just, you know, have three little ones and then just start a job at a, at a sports network. Um, you remember your first day on the job and it, it, I'd love to hear for the listeners to hear the story because <laughs> what they what a lot of people don't realize is how you get put through a meat grinder and everyone has a bad early moment. I, I've got a list of them saved, but <laughs> let's hear your first day at ESPN. Uh, definitely the worst. My worst day at ESPN was my first day. And I wasn't supposed to be on the air for like another month of, of training that was supposed to take place. And, and, um, Neil Everett called in sick. We love Neil. And um, he just was suddenly ill. And they said, hey, you're here training and observing Jay Harris. And so they said, well, you do the 6 p.m. Sports Center, which I knew I wasn't ready. Like, I totally knew. But what do you do? You say no? You can't of course say not. No. You got to no. go. The problem <laughs> is that it was the first Thursday of the men's NCAA basketball tournament. And, you know, the day that people, men across the country, call in sick to watch yeah. all of the games. Or they um, schedule their vasectomies for that yes. weekend. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Exactly. With the frozen peas. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe that's what Neil did that day. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Honestly, I, it was that first day and it was the 6 p.m. Sports Center prime time and, and a one hour show went uh, that rundown went out the window and it was extended to two hours and 45 minutes of chaos. And that's a hard show when you're a vet, much less when it's your first day. Everything's a hard show at ESPN. I mean, we it's so highly produced. Uh, we have the best. We I, I, sounds weird. Uh, they have the best crews. Um, and I, yeah, so first day and I walked in there clueless and I'd never met Dick Vitale or Digger Phelps and the segment did not go well. And Dick gave me a hard time and I cussed him out and I had to ask for forgiveness later. And, I, and, I, and, and then Digger was like, what the hell's going on around here? And yelling and screaming. I was, I looked at him. I was like, thank you. It's not just, yeah. I got off yeah. the set and Jay Harris, God bless him. He just hugged me because there were tears and the bosses called me in and some bosses said things that um, I will never forget and always use this motivation. And another one was incredible and really saved me because I was, it, it was spiraling downhill quickly on my very first day. Um, what he said and owned the mistake that they'd made to put me in that position that actually saved me. It's the only thing that saved me because it, it took about two years to get my confidence out of the toilet um, and I guess I can laugh about that day now because I, I obviously survived, but it was, oh, it was devastating. I, I can't 
underscore enough to people how much grit and thick skin one needs to endure this profession. Ah. Because every mistake you make is made in front of a network, sports network audience. Everyone sees it. There are critics who will write about it. There are moments that just absolutely gouge your confidence, but obviously you survive. You are a survivor. Um, things seem to change in sports in general. And uh, I guess at ESPN, you know, you, what was sort of the first, cause then you, you did, you just grew, you blossomed, you, you, I don't even remember that. So for whatever it's worth, Sage, I don't remember your mistake on the air. Um, but you, you blossomed, you grew, you, you came into being this, everyone knew your name. And, and so, but then this, these weird speed bumps started popping up. When did you notice that maybe there was a something awry between you and the network? Uh, there were a couple of moments in hindsight, you know, now I can look back and say, oh, that was a red flag. This one is, it was pretty obvious though. And this is in 2016. Um, I was hosting NBA countdown and had moved my family out to the West coast to Scottsdale, Arizona, um, to be closer to our Los Angeles studios. They didn't want to, didn't want to bring three teenagers to LA. So, um, and I was working Thursday to Sunday, so I would just hop over on the plane, 45 minutes to Burbank. And, um, but I suddenly got a call in August of, gosh, it's exactly seven years ago, right? August of 2016 saying, uh, we need you to come out to New York and meet with John Skipper, the president of the network at the time. And um, I didn't know why. My agent and I, Nick Khan at the time, d didn't know why. Um, at least that we were told that they didn't know why and uh, went out there and long story short, they told me that they were removing me from NBA countdown. Um, I, I was devastated because I, I had heard nothing but good things and we'd made a lot of progress despite some show changes after that first season when Bill Simmons was there. Um, and that's, that's a story for a chapter in the book. Uh, but survive that. I can't wait for your book. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, let me tell you, there won't be coffee in this. There'll be something else in this yeah. when, we, when it's yeah. being written. Um, basically, I, I couldn't understand why. I'm like, what, what, what did what I did do? What did they tell you? What was their reasoning? We were at a lunch and it was John Skipper and Connor Shell, uh, who's no longer with the network either. Um, and, and, I, and they start to say, hey, we have this wonderful idea. We want you to host sports around the road and you can do the Masters and the World Series and the, you know, still NBA Finals and the Super Bowl and be our lead host for sports around the road across the country. Um, this is what we want you to do. And I said, but what about the NBA? And they said, well, you know, we're, we're not sure. We're going to make some changes there, but this is what we want for you. And it sounded great. And then I said, I, I need you to answer a question. What did I do or not do? Why are you making this change? And they wouldn't answer. I looked at Connor because he was the one that was making the decision, uh, I was told. And he had no answer. And then Skipper looked at me and said, um, here's what he's trying to say. You know, we just are making some changes and, and a lot of things are up in the air. Um, and, and, I, and I looked at him and I <laughs> recapped a story from my very first day uh, on NBA Countdown where it was a huge meeting at the ABC offices in New York um, with everybody, the entire crew, producers, uh, all of the head bosses at ESPN and, um, and went into what that meeting was like and how, hey, you're great and come on in and, oh, we have this Bill Simmons and, you know, we'll talk about all this, but just good luck and go. And that was in October of 2013. 
And that was the last I ever heard from any of those bosses. And so three years later, when I had been kind of dumped out in Los Angeles and three years later um, to just be plucked off of it. And then a couple of months later saying, we're going to have to move your family back to the East Coast and come back to SportsCenter and back to, there was just so much confusion. Um, they ended up putting Michelle Beadle on the show. Um, and, you know, I, I'd known for a while that, that there were some relationships kind of in the background that um, were working against me and friendships that I didn't know about. Um, and they made that change and she was on for a couple of years and then made some changes. And then she was gone. So there's been a lot of things in hindsight that I look back and go, oh, my goodness, I should have known. I should have known. I should have known. Um, but I was naive. But that was the first thing that was a personal thing. And that really, really affected um, my family um, and some of the promises that they had made. So that was devastating. But I will say this till the day I die, Michelle. Every one of these things has happened for a reason. Every one of these things were the right thing for me now in hindsight. I wouldn't change a thing, even the things that really ticked me off. And there's a lot and there's a lot more detail that someday I'll share. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't change it because I wouldn't be here today and I wouldn't have begun to find the strength and the voice that I that I have now. It just took a lot of crap along the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, and and again, some of it so so publicly, which is the part of it that really irks me. And, you know, look. I worked at ESPN for a time. I, I saw the politics at work there and the behind the scenes friendships that, you know, were better for some than for others. And, and we all know that there's politics in television. It's in every company, really. But um, unfortunately, in television, it can impact you in such a public way. And and that's what you sign up for. But yeah. you're right. You are stronger for it now. There there was the I, I want to get to the to the Jay Cutler podcast because I think this was so benign, the things that you said, but obviously your network did not. So you get invited on Jay Cutler show, Jay Cutler, for people who don't know, former NFL quarterback. Um, what, what, what did you guys talk about that inflamed ESPN so much? Well, I guess it depends on when you ask, because at first um, the biggest issue was my comments on the vaccine mandate. So this is two years ago. This is September of 21. And, uh, you know, we had all gotten an email and many reminders about the requirement that we were vaccinated. And I was not happy. And many were not happy. So I'm, I'm not alone with that no. for sure. Um, but uh, I was I had waited until the very last second to get it. Like the last day that I could have gotten the vaccine in order to be fully vaccinated by their deadline, September 30th. Um, I waited because I wasn't going to do it. I just was scared. And all I wanted was just more information and more time and more research because this thing had been shoved down our throats so quickly. And as a mother as well, and with three kids, but two daughters, you know, and we don't know what this means for reproductive systems. Like, like right. I just, I just didn't want to. Um, and so that was the first thing when I said, um, I made it very clear. I said, listen, I respect everybody's opinions. You know, I, the vast majority of my family, probably 98% vaccinated. Um, and so I respect everybody's opinions. For me, I didn't want it. And I didn't want to be told that I had to do something to my body that I wasn't okay with, period. But I had to do it in order to keep my job, a job that I absolutely loved until the very last day I was on the air a couple of weeks ago. Um, and a job that I needed as the you know, sole provider. I'm, a, you know, I'm 
divorced and their father's certainly here in town and in the picture, but um, it's a hundred percent financially on me. So I had to have this job, Michelle. And I believe they, you know, they knew that. Um, so I, I just was honest. And I just said to each his own, here's the thing. I had come directly from getting the shop. Like I had, I had sprinted from the stupid grocery store parking lot home and flipped up the laptop on my, um, the, the thing on my laptop to do the, the zoom with Jay. And I had forgotten there was a bandaid on my shoulder. Like I, I was rushing and I was mad and I'd been yeah. emotional that I had to get it. So I just said, listen, I think it's uh, sick and scary for any company to mandate this, but you know, Disney is a global company. I was not surprised. They were one of many, um, but I still thought it was wrong. And I, and I complied and I, I thought the fact that I was complying, I could still have an opinion because <laughs> I'm following the rules, but um, no. apparently not. Apparently that's, that's going out the window and you're not alone. Uh, you weren't alone. And in retrospect, you know, I think there are a lot of people who don't care what vaccine comes out next. They don't want to get it. Yeah. You know, they don't want to get, they don't want to be compelled to put a needle in their body and inject in, you know, a product for which the makers are not liable. If there's any issue with it, they don't, that's the scary part. It is. That there's no liability for Pfizer, for Moderna, for anyone, if there's a vaccine injury. And how about the fact that um, we know it doesn't prevent you from receiving it or transmitting it. Correct. We know that the masks don't work. So for all these people who said, follow the science for all this time, and at first we all were, okay, I'll do whatever you say. Keep right. my neighbors safe, my family safe, my kids safe, you safe. Um, we know now by listening to their science that none of it works. Right. So therefore, I don't want it. Leave me alone. Stay away from me. If you want to take 10 of them and wear 16 masks on the plane, go for it. I I, I might laugh at you a little bit under my breath, but that, that's your right. Like, but leave me alone and leave my kids alone and leave my family alone. Yep. Yeah. There's a lot of um, things that feel compelled these days. And that was certainly the beginning of it and the masks as well. And, you know, these, these winds of change we're hearing right now that, oh, there might be a second wave or a new, new, uh, you know, a new version of the bug. So we've got to do another people are, their guard is up and as it should be. And we should not be compelled to do anything like this ever again. And I, I hope feel that's it's the coming. lesson learned. And the timing is not accidental, in my opinion. Um, the fact that Fauci's not out of his basement again and talking and he's being interviewed again, like I, Michelle, I, I, I cannot, and I will not, uh, as far as trusting that's the problem i think so many of the american people have lost trust absolutely in what they say and i i was one that never questioned doctors to you know I, I i don't like that that's how i used to be i didn't question anybody i just was like okay they're more educated than me and absolutely and unfortunately this has made many people question and you know what good it's important and now is, i think yeah, many of us will never go back to that and i think that if these things are forced and the lockdowns come again there's going to be a very, very different reaction from across the country. And I don't think it has anything to do with politics. It shouldn't. It probably does for some. For me, it's it's not about that. It has nothing to do with politics. It's about right and wrong. It, and and freedom. And yeah. lib- you know, the, the freedom over your own body. Everyone wants choice. Well, we want choices about shots, too. Yeah. Um, another thing that you and I have in common is we both participated at The View. Uh, you know, <laughs> I did... I did it about a year or so ago. You did it prior to, uh, you were there when Barbara Walters was still there. Uh, And how many times did you do that show? 
Four times. Four times. I I probably did it five or six, but we're 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 both veterans of this thing. You got shoved by Barbara Walters. <laughs> I'm laughing at what that turned into because yeah, when I was talking to Megan Kelly, it was just a a funny comment I had made in between, like oh yeah, and then she shoved. Yes, I mean Barbara didn't like what I had said, and it was all about you know race stuff and and um. Shouldn't like that. I I chose to to really claim both my white mom's side and my black dad's side. And um, but yeah, I did. The thing is, I wasn't saying. <laughs> then I see this headline. I think it was in Variety, and they're like, Sage Steele says Barbara Walters assaulted her. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is why people don't trust the media because exactly. you, you make crazy headlines for clicks. I never said I was laughing about it. I mean, she was testy all the way up to, to the end. And it was an honor to be on with all of them. I'm going to tell you, Whoopi was so nice to me. Jenny McCarthy was great to me. I love her. I respect her. By the way, talk to Jenny McCarthy 10, 15 years ago about vaccines, right? Yeah. Uh, Shepard was wonderful. Like, I loved that. They were so kind to me, even with that situation. But I was laughing about it and people make it this big. And you're talking about a woman who's not no longer here and you're accusing her. Get a life. Yeah. Stop it. It was funny. A lot of people witnessed it. It was funny. I thought this woman just, and I laughed and I was like, I wish I'd done on video. It's kind of cool. It, it's yeah. I mean, that's like a notch in your belt, you know, of, of things that you, that's a good piece of scar tissue right there. It's interesting. You were on with a very different cast. Yeah. I, I was on with the current cast and, Ooh, and no. um, it's, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a happy, necessarily a happy place for someone like me. Um, so it's, it's, uh, it's weird. I remember watching it and I remember my chest tightening up for you. Not yeah. that you needed that from me, but I remember just on a much lesser level, how I felt with that conversation about race with Barbara and feeling like, Oh my gosh. But with you, I mean, you walked into the lion's den and, and, um, I, I just felt upset because you couldn't even finish a sentence and you're being, yeah, corrected. it's, it's hard to do that on that set, you know, it's intentional. And, and then they yeah. incite the crowd and, and, but it, I always laughed at the, the title of the show and the irony because they actually don't want your view unless no. you believe like they do. So the hypocrisy, I, I'm blown away and I hadn't been on it since 2014. Um, and that's when all this happened. And so I uh, listen, they, they never asked me, they never asked me after that. <laughs> and it's probably not an accident and that, well, that's okay. You know what? Uh, it really, it bothers me. Race is such a massive issue right now. And I think it has been since really since 2016 and then 2020 with the George Floyd thing, it, it, it sort of ballooned mm -hmm. again into Changed another everything. home level stratosphere. Right. Yeah. But like you just said, you, you're from a remarkable family. Um, your dad, your mom, your mom is white, your dad is black. And so she, Barbara Walters asked you something like, well, on a census form, what would you check? What the hell kind of question is that? I mean, did, were, what did you, what was your inner reaction to just that question? I, I don't know how well I handled it. I just was like, well, what do you, what do you mean? And I was like, I haven't filled out a census form in a really long time. I, I don't even know what the options are, but I would check both or none. I'm not going to be forced to choose. I'll say this in the makeup room right before Sherry had come to me and said, Hey, I was reading about the biracial and the importance of, of you, um, you know, claiming that. And can, do you mind if we ask that? I was like, no, sure. And again, she was wonderful. Yeah. Um, and, and I said, sure, of course, like, why wouldn't I talk about that? So I didn't know it was going there. And that was in, 
and that was Barbara's specific question. Uh, and I just was in awe that it was a problem. She's the one that brought up Barack Obama, not me. Right. She's like, well, the president identifies as black. And I'm like, well, good for him. You do. Yeah. I don't I don't care. And then I did say the joke that I've used, and I don't know how funny it is, but I thought it was clever. I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure my white mom was there the day I was born. So I I I really think she's important too. And honestly, I will I'll never stop saying this. I'm the luckiest person alive, I think, one of many, of course, but because I had the best of both worlds. I grew up with the most beautifully blended family, knowing that they all loved me equally, white, black, like it just didn't matter. We have pictures from our family reunions back in the day, our pre-COVID days, you know, when we'd all get together and there'd be uh, neighbors and friends, but all the family. And if you didn't know us and you walked by the picture, you'd be like, I don't understand. <laughs> and there's, you know, more black men than white women. I, like all the kids and a couple were adopted and yeah. we were a melting pot. Isn't that America? Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we, we are so proud of in this country? And I don't know why she felt the need at that time to say, well, this is how you're. And the president does this. That's his choice. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting how he chose, despite how he was raised. I mean, he, he wrote a black, he wrote a book on, on his father and him not being there when he was a kid. It broke my heart. It breaks my heart that what 70 some percent of African-American kids are born without a, to, to a single mother, without a father yeah. that's fully present. That's something that I'm very passionate about. And I want to talk more about and the why behind it and how do we help and how do we fix it? But to, to not have the conversation and to silence people because they don't identify how you think they should, you're actually the problem. Yeah, it, it, it's ironic, isn't it? Or is that the right word? It's just freaking hypocritical that the tolerant left are the first ones to bash you when you disagree with them. They are really tolerant of you if you agree with them. But if you don't look out, they're going to try to shut you up, shut you down, whatever. But yeah, for for Barbara Walters, and it's, it's, it's disappointing for a journalist of her caliber to say, well, Barack Obama identifies as black. And you're right. It's like, where was his dad? <laughs> um, but, yeah, but you also yeah. said, hey, let him be him. I'm me. What I, I, again, don't understand what was wrong with that, but you got, you got attacked for that. And I, I just, again, it just displays this hypocrisy. Um, if you had said it the other way around, no one would have had a problem with it. Oh my gosh. If I had said any of those things differently on that podcast with Jay Cutler, I would, I would still be working at ESPN. <laughs> you know Do what you I mean? believe that? It, absolutely. Absolutely. If I had said, you know, all you anti-vaxxers out there, shame on you get that shot, protect each other, protect. Really? They, I would have been, I feel like I would have been celebrated by my company. If I had, had said, listen, no offense to my white mom, but you know, the, the plight of the black man, woman, but absolutely. I, I talked to the other thing that lowest in the totem pole, I guess, depending on who you ask in the company was comments about women. And I was, he was asked about what, how the industry had changed through the years um, with women in locker rooms, et cetera. I graduated from college in 1995. Uh, I was always the only woman in NFL, NBA locker rooms for years. I didn't care. I I was proud of it, and it actually made me better because I knew that when I spoke up while interviewing Shannon Sharp or Ray Lewis or 
Reggie Miller, whoever it was, my voice was going to sound different than all of my peers. So when I spoke, I better make it good. I better have done my homework. And so it made me better. And I was, for the most part, treated great by everybody. But I did say, because, oh, by the way, those are conversations I have with my daughters who are 21 and 17. And like we as women are very smart. We're, we're, we're badasses. And we know exactly what we're doing. We know exactly what we're wearing and why and when. And so I said, and I have had young interns with me before coming into a locker room with me. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you can't come in because um, I, I, I want to protect you a little bit. But in general, professionalism, that matters. I talk about my daughters with this. And you, if you're wearing something that's cut really low or really short here, then I want to look at you like yeah. oh, much less the guys. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm not into girls. I like men, but I'm going to look at you. And so yeah. I just... We all know when we go certain places, um, and they didn't like that comments. And there are people that said women who were like Sage Steel things, women get get what they deserve and should be raped for wearing. Like the headlines that came out, Michelle, were devastating to me in every way. But I, I so if I had said anything, if I said the opposite on any of those three topics, I would still, I would still be at ESPN. Um, and I think that's the hypocrisy because it all begins to me, begins and ends with diversity of thought. I have a right to feel how I feel as a woman who's been in those locker rooms for almost three decades. I have a, a right as a biracial woman to say what I want about my own experience. And I have a right to say that I don't want to get a shot and I don't believe in mandates while complying. And that's where I have a problem where people say diversity, diversity, but it ends when, it, when, it, when it's not something that they agree with. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.